This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You will believe a podcast can fly. Yes, welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. This is Ben L, and with me, as usual, is... The original Andrew Cut, y'all. What's yep. up? Not released until decades later, but it's finally here, the Andrew Cut. And, Some uh, parts not uh, complete, but that's okay. <laughs> right. So, we've made it. We've now both seen... We've seen both cuts of Superman 2, and uh, since we have an upcoming movie that has General Zod in it, we're going to uh, compare the two cuts, and uh, you I saw the theatrical wanna, cut for the first time. I saw the theatrical cut for the first time today, mm. uh, and full, you know, disclaimer here. I saw the Donner cut first a year ago, like two, a year and a half ago. I can't. Mm. Actually, it might have been during the pandemic, man. So three years I ago. So. so I only remember bits and pieces but um, but I, you know you know i guess we'll, i'll be refreshed of this yeah yeah and uh yeah that was also partially on me for taking so long to get here because <laughs> again no, it's like okay. superman 2 <laughs> two different movies and also breaking down the cuts it's not nearly as extensive as it was trying to break down all the differences between snyder and whedon on justice league but it's like it's the precursor to that like it's it's it is the same movie but done differently, and there's enough differences that we've got we've got enough to cover. For there the hour, were so. more than I expected mm-hmm. that I and I from what I remembered, and I I, I texted Ben earlier today. I was like, <laughs> did I forget this whole Paris shit? And he was like, Nope, <laughs> nope, I didn't forget it. Uh, anyway, we'll get to it, I guess. Yeah. So uh, we did earlier this year cover an early version of the script of both Superman one and two by Mario Puzo, and to commemorate that, we have art. Yes, we have fan art from our fan Joey at Wonder Media or W.Media on Instagram. Oh, that's the W. Sorry, I, I'm 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 been an idiot. No worries. Dub- yeah, Wonder uh, Media W.Media on Instagram yeah. with the image of Luthor Lux, since that was the name of Luthor in the Puzo script, 
Inspired by your commentary on Andrew with the uh, the belt buckle. This is the, awesome, man. The kryptonite. So, uh, yeah, no, this is awesome, Joey. And like, uh, a little bit of the Hackman resemblance there, too. So for our uh, steadfast oral listeners, mm-hmm. I see you guys. You guys are coming every week, man. We have about the same numbers every week, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, for you guys, it's like a... Texas oil tycoon Lex Luthor with a kryptonite belt buckle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's awesome. Yeah. And Superman's shying away from it because yes. the power of that kryptonite right yes. below his, yeah, right around his belt. So uh, this is awesome. Thank you, Joey. And uh, we've also got art from uh, our fan and Patreon patron, Logan Wood. Look at this. It's the variation on the Superman 78. Uh, poster with superhero stuff you should know's logo with it, and below is the slogan, you'll believe a podcast can fly. Pretty awesome, man. Thank you. That's a yes. great slogan, too. Yep. I love the original. I love your, I love the remake, uh, you know, the the remix for us. Yeah, for sure. So, thank you, Logan. So, uh, back to the episode. We do have two cuts of Superman 2. Why is that? Well, Richard Donner was hired on to direct both Superman 1 and 2 back-to-back, but famously did not get along with the producers, the Salkinds, and to the point where his agent ended up calling him saying, quote, you are no longer needed. The Salkinds booted him off of the film, which is insane considering that this man is basically responsible for this entire genre that we've got um, going on. Did you read any kind of like DGA stuff with this? That's a Directors Guild of America. You know, I haven't, uh, but maybe we can explore that. Explore that in the Patreon. But I, I think it is a case where Lester, Richard Lester, who they brought on for the theatrical cut, directed enough of it that it went to him. Which is again kind of weird, considering that after we saw the, the two different Justice Leagues cut, it's like, well, that might as well have just said directed by Joss Whedon. Now that we know how much was shot in reshoots in the 2017 version. So I don't know. Um, But yeah, I'd be interested to to take a look, but uh, yeah, the, the director credit on the theatrical cut goes to Richard Lester, who was someone they considered for the first movie had previously done uh, the three Musketeers and the four Musketeers back to back for the Salkinds. So they knew they could rely on him. He was their go-to guy. So it makes sense that they would turn to him when they're just like, we need to complete this movie. So yeah, uh, both cuts contained footage directed by both gentlemen as well. So uh, yeah. a lot of the stuff Donner shot does end up in the theatrical cut. However, Lester got, got to shoot scenes that Donner did not get to shoot. And so in the Donner cut, not everything was directed by Donner. Most of the stuff that he directed is still in there, but uh, some of the stuff is Lester's simply because Donner wasn't around to direct stuff that uh, was story like part of the story. So they couldn't have just cut it out. So that's why that's that's what it is. Lester and the Salkinds were in charge of the theatrical cut that we got in 1980, with Lester getting that director credit. Then in 2006, many years later, Richard Donner got to do the Donner cut. With, it was that uh, late? I didn't yeah. even realize that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, direct to uh, you know DVD and Blu-ray. Much later on, it had been something that they wanted to do for a while. This is also why people. Uh, you know, this was kind of the, the one of the major times where there was a director cut many years after the fact, which is kind of why there's the release, the Schumacher uh, cut movement for Batman Forever. It's like, well, if they could do that for Superman 2 way back in 1980, they could do that for, ni- you know, 1995's Batman Forever, especially when this footage is around. So 
This is uh, sort of DC's thing at this point. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> James Gunn was also tweeted about uh, he was watching the Donner cut specifically. Yeah, think, that too. Yeah, recently. Uh, indeed. So that's that's another thing where he he was taking checking this out. Uh, so it's a combination this Donner cut of mostly footage that Donner shot, but some footage that Lester shot, as well as visual effects added by editor Michael Fowl. Um, in some shots that you can kind of tell don't look like they were made in 1980. They look a little too new. Um, <laughs> and mainly visual effects stuff. Uh, and then there is a scene that uses and edits two screen tests uh, that we'll uh, talk about a little later. Uh, but uh, that's that's the only existing footage of that scene, so that's what they used, which I thought was uh, pretty appropriate. Uh, it's a shame they I, didn't get to shoot it for real, but it was it's cool. It's kind of... It's kind of awesome, actually. I mean, it's like Donner. It's like Donner sticking to his guns for the longest time, mm-hmm. which is which is great. Even though there's incomplete shots or using t- screen test footage, I mean, yeah. <laughs> fuck it, man. Just get it, get it, to, get it together the best way you can. Yep. You know, and that's yeah. cool. So, it's cool. We got this, and people got to choose between the two. But it seems like, from what I've read, the general consensus online is different from the Justice League one where it was kind of almost unanimously unanimously Snyder's cut all the way. This one, it's just like, yeah, Donner might be slightly better, but in general, kind of, people kind of wish for a hybrid cut of both really? versions. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we'll go deeper and further along, but uh, for this episode, we'll kind of dive into the comparisons between the two, and we're not going to cover every little difference, but like the major, major ones. Uh, Are we going to get... Are we gonna to get to like our thoughts at the end, like which which cut we like, or is that now yeah. or later? Um, <laughs> that's a good that's a good question. Uh, we could, I'd say we're probably more equipped to talk about it at the end after we've okay. gone through the whole thing. Okay, stay tuned, kids. Yes. So <clears throat> we'll find out our opinion on this, but uh, let's go bit by bit. So let's start uh, with the opening, which you know Andrew was talking about a little earlier when you uh, you messaged me. About, uh, I don't remember this Paris shit. And I'm just like, oh, it's because it's not in the Donner cut. <laughs> I was like, D- how much did I forget of this movie? <laughs> like, I don't remember this shit at all, dude. Because it was all done by Richard Lester. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will cover the Donner stuff first before the Lester cut, because even though Donner's cut was released in 2006, it's technically the first version of this movie. Yes. So, uh, for those watching on YouTube, the Donner cut stuff is at the top, and the Lester screenshot is on the bottom. Thanks to our assistant, Dan. So okay. uh, the original idea was to tie this into Superman 78. The opening of the Donner Cut is mostly Superman 78 footage. Uh, we get, you know, the kind of overview recap of what happened in Superman 78. And then we've got Lex Luthor shooting the missile out to cause the big earthquake. That's, Superman. In the, that's not the Go Donner ahead. Cut, right? That montage? Right, like, well, yeah, I mean, both kind of have a montage of like recapping Superman 78, but uh, like the Donner cut directly plays like the, the stuff from Superman 78 directly plays a plot point into the movie as opposed oh, to the yeah. Lester, the theatrical cut where, as you know, it's just like, okay, it's a montage of like recapping Superman 78 and then you're in a separate movie. Yeah. I feel like it was unnecessary really, but I mean, they, they I feel like that's just because it's a, I don't think they do that in a movie these days unless they're trying to, you know, get the member berries going from this movie in another movie. But yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't a fan of this long montage in the beginning. 
Yeah. Of the of, of which one? The Donner Cut? Or I mean, technically, they're both. <laughs> it's in both. It's longer in the theatrical, right? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I think. I think in the theatrical one, it's more of like, hey, this is going on as we're doing the credits. Yeah. And in the Donner one, it's like the actual, uh, uh, like it's, okay. it's yeah, it's pre-credits, so it's it's pre-title, so it's it's this just big montage, which kind of goes on for a while, but like you said, it feels a little unnecessary these days because I think we're just so used to we're used to continuity a lot more than back in 1980 where like somebody might've shown up to Superman two without having seen Superman one Yeah, at the yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, but the Donner one does plot wise play more of a role as Superman does throw the missile out into space in Superman 78 and in Superman two, the idea was that that missile would have caused an explosion that opens up the phantom zone, which then frees all three of the Kryptonian criminals. Um, we get some computer animation to show the missile blowing up the Phantom Zone, and then you got the close-up on Terrence Stamp going free, and then the opening <laughs> titles in the Donner Cut. So uh, that that was which is pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, the the Lester the th- theatrical cut is more of that you know montage you saw of the se- Superman seventy eight, uh, and then does an entirely new action sequence in Paris where you were messaging me being just like, I don't remember this at all. I'm like, yeah, because it's they decided to completely reshoot that or shoot that, which, again, feels a little weird because it's just like, well, if you're trying to, if you're trying to, like, basically complete a movie, right, like, why would you add a completely whole new, season, you know, sequence, spend all the money, you know, more of the effects and stuff for something that had such a simple solution? Uh, Salt Kynes just like, wanted to go to Paris on go to Warner Paris. Brothers Day. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what it feels <laughs> right. like. Unless they did well, it looked it looked like they shot in Paris. It looked like it looked like it was on, on location to me. I but think they. I, I don't think know. they did, but I'd, I'd have to take a look. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. But Superman goes off to save Lois Lane from these terrorists who have a bomb inside an elevator. So he brings the elevator out into space, which blows up, and that's what frees the Phantom Zone villains. So you know, I think. The Phantom Zone villains get basically freed from uh, their prison much later in the theatrical cut compared to the Donner cut, where it's kind of just like, all right, remember this stuff? Here's a twist. It released the Phantom Zone villains. And then it went into the the titles. So um, between the two of these, I would say, for me, the point goes to Donner just because he gets to the point quicker. Yeah, it relies on archive footage and is kind of cobbled together of of mostly old footage. But I, I just thought... Like, you already got him throwing the missile into space in the previous movie. Like, we don't need this whole other sequence in Paris to do it. It's still a good sequence. But if I'm going to give a point, the point goes to Donner to me. You're going to see a pattern from me. Um, <laughs> Donner. Yeah. <laughs> all the way. Yeah. A point to Donner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not surprising. <laughs> yeah. I think we're, we've been pretty pro-Donner. Uh, Pro Donner, I do this uh, all the time. Like I, I've only seen the director's cut of uh, Blade Runner. I don't think I've never heard that. Um, oh, that voiceover. That I haven't voiceover. either. Maybe in a clip here and there, but I've never seen that because I, I, if if there's a director's cut out, I'm just pro director, bro. I just got to see the yeah. director's cut. Yeah, no, I hear you. Especially when you hear people being like, "Oh, watch the director's cut instead. Don't bother with theatrical." I'm like, "Well, then why would I ever want to see the theatrical?" <laughs> you know, never. It's hardly ever as it's hardly ever better. I feel like the director's yeah. cut's always always much better. I'll see yeah. the theatrical cut after 
to compare a lot like I did this time. Um, I yeah. haven't gotten there with Blade Runner yet, but um, that's usually uh, how how I do it. Yeah. So that goes to Donner. And then I feel like this next point is an automatic Donner point, which is having to do with Lex. So uh, <laughs> one of the things here behind the scenes is that Hackman did not, he shot all his footage with Donner. Hackman never stepped foot on the set when Lester was doing it. Okay. He refused to come back. So all the footage <laughs> you see is either from Donner or a body double, which you might notice from like behind where like, Lex is like tripping around the fan. I mean, the Fortress of Solitude a few times. Like, that's not Hackman. That's just a body double. That's why you never see his face um, in that moment. But what's annoying about this, and I'm sure you picked it up on this because I know you pick up on a lot of these, is uh, a new, a different actor is doing ADR over a lot of Lex's dialogue in the theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's clearly not Gene Hackman for uh, like a good chunk of dialogue throughout his entire time in the movie. Uh, whereas I think all, if not most, of the dialogue from Hackman in the Donner cut is Gene Hackman. It's all him. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would, so I would assume so, yeah. I think Donner gets an automatic point for this one because it's pretty obvious when it's not, it's just distracting when it's not Hackman's voice coming out of him in the theatrical Let's cut. Let's also give it up to whoever thought of the idea for uh, Lex Luthor to have an ascot with a prisoner. <laughs> it's amazing, right? <laughs> <laughs> he has to be a little fancy at yes. all times. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, this is this is also kind of the best that Hackman looked because of the fact he was bald so rarely in the role. So, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's cool. But, yeah, yeah Hackman did not uh, show up for the, the reshoots. So they had to make do with what they had. So two points to Donner on this one. And to Hackman. And, yeah. <laughs> Uh, next is Lois Lane tries to prove that Superman is Clark Kent. So we have two different sequences and they take place at different parts of the different movies. So in the original Donner cut, Lois suspects at the very beginning that Clark is Superman. She draws the glasses, the Clark Kent glasses over a picture of Superman with a Sharpie. Yeah. Yeah. Newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then she's like, I'm so confident that I, that you're Superman. I'm going to jump out the window. So she jumps out the Daily Planet window, and Clark has to find a creative way to save her, where he just kind of rushes downstairs and uses his powers to make sure that she has a safe landing, and then races back up to you know be calling out to her from the window, and that convinces her that she's wrong. Uh, so that happens a lot earlier in the movie compared to the theatrical cut, which happens much later at Niagara Falls, where Lois is more suspicious later on and decides to prove it by jumping into Niagara Falls and Clark has to save her again by sneaking in his heat vision so the branch falls for her to save herself. Um, I think the biggest difference here is that Lois figures it out or suspects it a lot earlier in Donner's versus Lester's. Because uh, it's really kind of the same thing, right? She puts herself in danger, and Clark has to figure out some creative way. So, yeah, it's a change in setting, but like, I'd say the fundamental difference here is Lois figuring it out earlier. In which case... Again, like I feel like the, the edge is still to Donner on this. It just makes Lois smarter for suspecting earlier. It just makes more sense to me. Yep. I'm giving it to Donner once again. When I saw this, I was like, I, it's too late in the game. The, the mm-hmm. whole pacing is off, it feels like, too. Maybe because I'm just what – I, what I'm, I'm attached to what I saw first. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but uh, – yeah, this the way this opens and it gets much quicker to this beat uh, just works a lot better in general. 
It, it feels mm. way too late. And like, uh, what does he do? He uses his like super breath to help her like down or something. Cause he doesn't go and save her outright of Superman. Right. In in the Donner cut. He, he, he yeah, like, he doesn't all as Clark. He never shows up as Superman in that moment. He helps her like waft down or something. Right. Uh, yeah. He like uses heat vision to have an awning show up. Uh, yeah. and then she bounces from there into a fruit cart, which, okay. um, I'm going to show a little bit actually, because this is another thing that makes us a point to Donner is how comic accurate this is. This is actually right out of a comic oh, where, nice. uh, she jumps out the daily planet window to try to prove that Clark is Superman, uh, as pointed out by our friends at Batman online, silver nemesis over there points out that this comes from the satanic schemes of skull from Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, number 63, from February 1966. But yeah, just to recap for you, Andrew, she jumps out the window, and then Clark, it's Superman the comic, but Clark races down there, uses his super breath um, and stuff to sort of help waft her down, like you said, and then has the awning show up, (laughs) and then she bounces from the awning into a fruit cart. Okay. So right out of the comics. (laughs) <laughs> that's cool i yeah i think that's mm-hmm. great there's something the the river one so like you know film school screenwriting school all that you know like you learn that not movies it doesn't just movies that have a beginning middle and end every mm-hmm. scene has a beginning middle and end right yep and mm-hmm. it felt like that scene was i mean even though she saved there was something kind of almost anticlimactic about it it's like what yeah. what what is he going to do what was she going to do with that branch she was already floating and then she just goes <laughs> right. into, she was going into like, she goes into like the safe zone of the river. It seemed like she barely even needed Superman for that. If, unless I'm reading that wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It was like Clark was almost, almost unnecessary uh, mm-hmm. for it, for her to be saved where she's, it, 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 it pays off a little better. And, and Clark is a little bit more um, a part of her being saved, even though she doesn't know it, of course, in the mm-hmm. Donner cut. So yeah. Yeah, through and through, it's a point to Donner for me. Donner's sweeping this so far. <laughs> the, so. the scene itself was anticlimactic. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree in the in the case, now that I'm thinking back to the theatrical cut, where it, it's almost like Lois could have swam a little bit more <laughs> just to get to that get to that area, right, well, that, that, that saves she, her. She's already floating. That stick's not going to do anything, I feel like. She's just yeah. going to, like, dunk under with that stick. It, I know it's not like the most realistic movie ever, of course, but it's just like it makes Clark seem almost kind of dumb. Like he just lays her off some fucking a little branch while she's going down this raging ass. Yeah, river. Like, like it this was, feels smarter with the Donner cut. The Donner cuts just yeah, this this scene. I'm sure I might be pissing some people off that love the theatrical, but, uh, you know, it's 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 just <laughs> Donner for me. This Donner cuts just a lot yeah. better, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move to the next one then. So, so far, Donner three, Lester zero. Uh, all right, so moving on to the next part, Lois learns for real that Clark is Superman. So, this is another major difference. In the Donner version, uh, it is something that was scripted but never formally shot. The footage that we get in the Donner cut is actually from both Margot Kidder's screen test and Christopher Reeve's screen test. And they edit in between them. And you can tell because Christopher Reeves' hair changes depending on <laughs> whether he's sharing the screen with Margot Kidder or if it's just him. Yeah. So uh, that's that's part of it. But in the Donner cut, Lois flat out shoots Clark to prove that he's Superman. 
And Clark has to basically own up to the fact that he is Superman and warns oh, her that if she was wrong. You're a terrible shot, Lois. Looks <laughs> yeah, like you he... missed again. It's like point, point blank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's a master so... marksman as well from her dad or whatever the fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you keep on missing, Lois. <laughs> so Clark warns her. Yeah, see, he fesses up to it instead of taking the smarter route that Andrew said. of saying, like, you keep missing. But yeah, Clark warns her that if she was wrong, Clark would have been killed. And Lois reveals that she was using a blank. So she kind of tricks him into uh, into revealing himself here. In the Lester one, it's not the same type of thing at all. So in the honeymoon suite, Clark trips over the bearskin rug and lands his hand in the fire. And Lois sees that his hand didn't get burned, which then reveals the truth. And then he takes off his glasses. And it this just is, seems... Uh, yeah. It's... Overly ahead, clumsy, but it is implied that Clark may have deliberately done this because he wanted her to know. But again, Lois just seems a lot smarter in the Donner Cut version. Like the Donner Cut does, uh, it does a lot more justice to Margot Kidder's Lois than the theatrical cut. Uh, and also has just really this fun tension to it, where like she pulls out the gun and and Clark's like, oh, I don't know, Lois, about this. Like you're not, you're wondering what's going to happen throughout it. Whereas this one, it's it's less suspense. The theatrical one is less suspense and more surprise. And it doesn't work as well, especially when it's just, okay, so he trips over a rug and lands his hand in the fire. I mean, so. it's also like he's, his hand's in there for like half a second or less. It, oh, yeah, that too. I don't even know if it burn like an actual person. I don't know. I mean, I guess right. if he went right onto the charred log or whatever, mm-hmm. but it there was just something weak about that as well. So, again, it's a point to, to Don or here. Yeah. So we are Donner shills so far, I, I, dude. It's you know maybe there'll be a maybe there'll be a point to to uh, Lester, but well, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right. So the next major one is something that's. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest things. So Hackman was not the only one who never showed up to the reshoots. <laughs> so <laughs> in general, right, Marlon Brando has been completely replaced in the theatrical cut. He shot yeah. scenes for both. And then the sound guys were like, you know what? Let's save money and not have to pay him by not using him at all. Which is why in the theatrical cut, they even reshot the uh, the three Kryptonian criminals going on trial. Notice like Marlon Brando's not even there. They're being condemned yeah. by a different voice. Continuity-wise, it doesn't really fit what happened in 1978. But again, like in, back in 1980, people didn't really give a shit as much, especially if they hadn't seen... Superman 78 since 1978. So they probably just vaguely remembered like, oh yeah, I kind of remember seeing this. Yeah. Uh, so they're not comparing it screenshot to screenshot like we're doing right now. So Brando's <laughs> not in any of the theatrical cut and instead he has been replaced in some most of the scenes that he was in by Susanna York as Lara because she was Lara in the first movie. And I think that's kind of cool. Honestly, if you're going to replace Jor-El, it makes sense. It's going to be his mom who barely had much to do anyway in the 1978 film. Were uh, her lines the same pretty much? I think she was given the same lines, especially in the scene that we're going to be talking about coming up with um, the fact that Clark's going to be losing his powers. So oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Th- this was, this is kind of a toss up to me. Yeah. Same it, here. This is the most you know, difficult one. Right, because I'm like I yeah. don't know. Because on the one hand, like if we were, if we were to patch together like an ultimate Superman two cut that has some of the Lester stuff and the Donner cut combined, right? I'm like, well, this is a tough one because like the same beat happens, and mm-hmm. is done well, I think, in both versions. Um, so 
in the Donner cut that we see up above, it's interesting because Clark is already dressed as a human during this. And he talks to Jor-El. And I think one of the more fundamental differences here is Jor-El tells him how he can be human. Uh, and Clark, but, you know, he can be human, but he'll have to give up what he can do for mankind. And Clark at this point in the Donner cut brings up that he's done enough good, that he's like, he's done enough for humanity and stuff. And now this is his turn to um, to sort of get his reward. It's, it's it's not as like selfish as I'm describing the way that Reeve delivers it, or maybe it's just because that's Christopher Reeve. But it, it is like a little bit of an undercurrent of like, well, I've done my part and stuff. Um, and I think maybe there is, um, I mean, I was going to say there might be a slight flaw in the, fla- in the fact that there's these Phantom Zone villains around, but he doesn't know that yet in this movie. Right. Uh, so that's, you can't really hold that against him. In the Lester cut, uh, he's not as Clark, he's a Superman, and he talks to Lara about it, and they completely, like, I don't think they do that whole dialogue at all about, like, well, I've done enough for humanity type of thing. It's more about, like, oh, I love this girl, and I I want to be human for her. So, again, it's kind of a toss-up for me. I might actually, if I were to choose for the cut, uh, I might actually choose the Lester one for a couple of reasons. One being uh, getting Lara in there, because she barely has much of a role anyway. Um, and the other aspect as well is kind of uh, surpassing that whole dialogue about like, oh, I've done enough for humanity um, yeah. and stuff, where I'm like, mm, I don't know. Like, it makes sense to make it more human, but I don't know if we really need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a like my job is done as a hero. Uh, yeah. He's given up way too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We just talked about it. So maybe this point, maybe this does go to Lester this time. I, m- I might sort of agree. The main plus is Marlon Brando's voice. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Great voice. <laughs> iconic, you know, uh, you know, just really great. Um, but uh, then again, yeah, to give um, Laura a little bit more something to do. And mm-hmm. uh, in this one, we already focused on, um, Jor-El in the first one mm-hmm. so we can do Laura in the second one which uh, yeah I mean yeah maybe this this one might actually go to Lester yeah um, there's that and then there's another aspect here that I have a separate point but I think it ties in which is super sex so <laughs> the main fundamental difference because this shot is in both the shot of, yeah. of Clark yeah. holding Lois in bed is in both but the fundamental difference is that in Donner's version, Clark and Lois sleep together before he loses the powers. That's why he's dressed as Clark and she's in the Superman. She's like in the blue Superman outfit. They uh, super fucked. Yeah, they super fucked. So the super fuck happens before he loses the powers. Whereas in the Lester version, Clark and Lois sleep together after he loses the powers. Mm. So it's almost like he had to lose the powers in order to sleep with her, as opposed to the other one where, as you said, they super fucked. And then he's like, all right, well, now I want to be human. So okay. interesting. I think it's an interesting dynamic, but again, like as somebody who supports the idea that Clark can have sex with Lois as a Kryptonian, because otherwise, you know, John Kent wouldn't exist and we I wouldn't have Superman and Lois. Yeah, like I support that, but I think Lester's seems to make more sense because it's like we get to see like the benefit immediately <laughs> of why he would be giving up his power. Like I think it's less about oh I get to have sex, but more of like. Um, I get to fully commit and be with you now that I'm a human. You feel 
like what he's like what he's trying to get as a reward. <laughs> Not just the sex, but there's the relationship. The sex is emblematic yeah. of him getting the relationship with Lois that you I, I just feel like it, it hits better in the Lester version where they sleep together after uh, yeah. he's lost the powers. Yeah, that 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 pacing and everything, yeah, that order does work actually, yes. Yeah. So um and you can't really do a hybrid cut of the uh, Marlon Brando Jorel scene but have them sleep together later because otherwise why is she in the Superman in the Superman shirt? <laughs> you know <laughs> at that point. So you you kind of have to unless you do some hybrid cut where like Jorel just randomly shows up for a few lines in the same scene. Um, but yeah, you crop I, I, in as well. You don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah <they> do. <laughs> she's way on the edge of the frame. So it's actually not that hard. Probably. Yeah. She's just wearing a blue shirt. You can't really tell. <laughs> nah, you just crop her out of the, does she say any lines? No, she's just watching the whole time. Oh, but... well you just, you just zoom in a little bit. <laughs> she's true. out, out of frame. Totally. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see, cause I, I haven't seen the fan edits of this where they do try to do what we're, we're talking about. Uh, but uh, I'm curious about this one because this is the one where I'm like, this is not as clear cut of a of a point, but uh, I think the edge here goes to Lester for both the Lara scene and the sex scene. Yeah, so, this is yeah, this makes sense. I'm actually surprised we got to a Lester point so quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, that brings us to Donner at four, but Lester at two. So Lester's coming up on his butt. Oh, this uh, was two points back to back. Yeah, two points back together okay, on, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. sex stuff, which is okay. yeah, the, and the sex, yeah, they're kind of tied together because I'm like, well, like the sex stuff is one of the reasons why I pref- might prefer the Lester thing for the previous scene with Lara. So yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, that's what we got so far. But we will cover the second half of the differences after the break. Hey everyone, so this is Ben. I have a few plugs for my writing. So I am getting my first fiction published. It's going to be published in Metaphoricist Magazine in the April 2023 edition. It is a short story novella called Shortcut to Happily Ever After. The cover that you might see in the video version is based on my story, art done by artist Gabriel Roswell. It'll be available on the Metaphoricist website on the first week of April. The issue itself will be available if you want to buy it on Kindle or on print on Amazon. Uh, The story, real quick, is about Daniel, a hopeless romantic who uses time travel to find love. Whenever he meets someone new, he jumps to the future to see if their relationship lasts, and if it doesn't, he returns to the present to cancel the first date before anyone gets hurt. But when his dating strategy starts ruining the fabric of time, Daniel has to go back and live through every relationship he skipped, discovering what he missed the first time around. So check that out. The uh, links are in the visuals as well as in the uh, basically the links below, but that is at Metaphoricis. That is M-E-T-A-P-H-O-R-O-S-I-S. And the Amazon link will be there as well. So that is my original piece, but if you've been following us on social media or our YouTube community, I've also announced something else. I've got a couple Batman-related things in the pipeline, collaborating with our friends and fellow podcast, Newverse Creative. We've brought them up on the show before, but they do audio drama adaptations of unmade superhero scripts and other projects. So kind of dramatizing stuff we cover and comment about here. So for them, I'm adapting the Batman 89 comic written by Sam Hamm with art by Joe Quinones, as well as Batman 3, which is going to be an adaptation of the original Batman Forever scripts by Lee and Janet Scott Batchelor and Akiva Goldman. So those will be coming out later this year. Uh, the Batman 3 one will be one that focuses on, of course, the cut subplot of Bruce Wayne's psychological journey 
it is the closest thing you will get to the dramatized version of Batman Forever we've been talking about on this podcast since 2019. And that's about all I can say about it for now. But uh, thank you very much. And for the month of April, uh, this is because of the fact that SnyderCon is uh, that month. This month's charity will be for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. This is the charity that a lot of Snyder Cut fans have donated to in honor of Snyder's daughter, Autumn, who unfortunately committed suicide years ago. Uh, No matter what your opinion is on the Snyder films themselves, I think we can all agree suicide prevention is more than a worthy cause that all of us can support. Obviously, if you or someone you know is having these types of thoughts, seek help. Uh, The AFSP Foundation, they have their own helpline and number, and and they basically are out to help this cause. So. There are people out there who can help you or anyone you know. And the website is AFSP.org. Thank you. Just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about Japanese to English translation. In this first season, it will be 10 episodes each season. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general, Japanese cultural differences as well, and we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly, aka EGM. So stay tuned for Gaming Gaiden Podcast. It's already out now, y'all. about the patreon.com patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod and on that you get the one dollar tier uh you can join the one dollar tier which gets you the shout out on the board and either visually or orally or both at times uh we want to do the oral uh for the most part uh for newer people uh and then the five dollar tier gets you a whole new show uh, this show is every Monday, as you well know, and it's free on YouTube and the What's Nots. And um, the uh, Patreon show is every Friday at the $5 tier mark. You can, if you want, binge us for 5 mm-hmm. bucks, And uh, there's like 150 episodes, uh, almost 150 at this point. And you can uh, you know, listen to all that content there. Even the stuff that's been released from the vault... None of that has been the full episode as well. So <laughs> trying to keep our uh, $5 tier people happy. <laughs> so, um, so, but yeah, check that out. And then our $10 tier gets you all of the above. Plus a, uh, it gets you a monthly meetup show where you meet up with us monthly. And it's like a Zoom-like call. And we have a topic at hand or sometimes videos we react to and things like that. And that's at the $10 tier. Um, every tier that you get, like the $5 tier, gets you the $1 tier benefits. And the $10 tier gets you the $5 tier benefits and the $1 tier benefits. So check that out at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We also got the merch, which is Redbubble, superhousepod.redbubble.com. And on Threadless, superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. Get your Ben Man and Indeed Wizard mug, shirt, shower curtains, and all the rest artwork by Stephen Santa Cruz. And please send us some audio at superhousepodcast at gmail.com. A bumper would be great. Mm-hmm. You too can be part of the show. 
I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf Lives is my other YouTube channel, one of my many YouTube channels. And I have uh, also ThunderwolfDrew.com. has my whole portfolio in one place except for AmanoRecon.com. That's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. And that is uh, an original idea that some friends and I are doing where it is R-rated um, Power Rangers meets Stranger Things. That's the quick pitch, and it is not a fan film, original idea. We have a pitch video right now on YouTube and on the Indiegogo page. We're campaigning right now as of this, uh, when this episode premieres. And this poster art is by Zachary Jackson Brown Art. Com. and check it out please support us on the campaign and more from that soon um, but yes it's uh it's bloody and um, if you like that kind of thing check us out and that's it ben follow us on social media on twitter at superhouse pod instagram superhero stuff pod where we have some different supplemental stuff we even i've even analyzed the martial arts stance that the keaton ornament from the flash is in so you can check that out on our instagram superhero stuff pod uh tiktok superhero stuff pod vero superhero stuff pod my website is benwanrider.com where you can read a whole bunch of spec scripts including gotham vampire elementary the death of sherlock holmes and curb your enthusiasm disneyland if you're fans of any of those shows check them out and let us know what you think my YouTube channel is in the description below, including Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, edit, and narrate with the 8th Doctor, meeting Miyamoto Masashi. My personal Instagram is BenWanRider. If you like cats, my son, Alfie, my cat, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent. And you can even check out another page on that website, superherostuffpod.com slash show notes. That includes uh, various show notes for each of our episodes, links to the scripts that we review if they're available online, Amazon links to the stuff we've been talking about, including, you know, Brian Levant's book that he plugged for us, My Life and Toys. So check that out at superherostuffpod.com slash show notes. Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. And you're listening to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. And we're back. And Clark's going to get his powers back. Yes, we're going to. We've pretty much skipped forward a little bit further into both versions of Superman 2 because it's basically some of the same shit happens in between. Clark gets his ass beaten <laughs> in the diner and uh, General Zod and the Kryptonian criminals take over. There's a few differences with the Kryptonian criminals, but... Not enough that I thought we should really like dive too deep into it. So let's go into what is probably the biggest scene of the Donner Cut. The main reason that this was even worth doing, which is that in the Donner Cut, Jor-El helps Clark get his powers back by sacrificing all his remaining energy to Clark. 
bringing it back yeah. to 1978, where he said the son becomes the father, the father becomes the son. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and also brings up a consequence to why, you know, this was such a big deal. You know, him losing his powers uh, and having to regain it, like there's a consequence to that, as opposed to in the theatrical version, he finds a lone crystal in the snow and we then just cut away from it and he's got his powers back. <laughs> No, <laughs> they couldn't even get Laura to give it to him. <laughs> Common Donner W, as the kids say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This is the W goes to Donner on this because this dude. This is the scene that is the Superman equivalent to the giant bat scene in Batman Forever. Yeah. It's the big reason why Batman Forever fans want to see the Schumacher cut. This is the giant bat scene for the Superman Two fans. It's like this is the scene everybody wanted to see. This is why, honestly, why I bought the the, the Donner cut back when it first came out, because I had heard about this scene. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And then they're like, we actually edited it into the movie, and you get to see how it plays out. I'm like, oh, sweet, I want to see that. And and it it didn't disappoint, because it's such a great dynamic. You've got, you know, Reeve on the verge of tears, because he knows that's the last time he's going to see his father, and and Brando's Jor-El, you know, stepping out to finally get to touch his son so that he can sacrifice himself for his son. It's just a beautiful scene. It's a beautiful moment. Uh, I think I blinked on the one I saw this morning, the theatrical, and I was like, "What? He's got his powers again?" <laughs> yeah. Like I, I was like, "What? Did I miss something?" I, you know, like yeah, it doesn't a, do the scene. It's just, yeah. just like oh, I found a crystal, and then the end. I'm like, I don't know what he had to do to get his powers back with the crystal. He just had to stick it up his ass or something. But <laughs> he's. Well, looks he's like got my his mom lied back. to me. But all right, <laughs> up, up, up we go. Whoop. It's in my butt. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, so we don't know oh, how that works. Man. This scene is so much better in the Donner cut. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I got yeah, they wanted to take out Mr. Expensive, but yeah. um man, fans in eighty one, dude. I'm glad I'm glad I wasn't there. This is mm-hmm. I think I was born in eighty four, man. Like this is this is only three years before I was born, dude. Just so mm-hmm. close to when I was born. It's 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 crazy. And he's wearing he's wearing like kind of bell bottoms still. Like they're not quite the '78 style, but like you could see the '80s style sort of leaving at that mm-hmm. point, even then. But like Clark Kent's suit is also a little bit '70s ish because it is early '80s. Mm, yeah. And and I was like, God, I was born. I used to think I was so far removed from that being in '80 in the '80s, but. I was like right just after that shit was around. Anyway, that's well, just I mean, my... to be fair, this, a lot of this was shot before 1980 to make the 1980 release date, but I can kind of see what you mean. 80 or 80. 80? It's 80. It gets released oh. in 80. Oh, shit. So it is. Yeah, it was shot. 70, so it's mostly it would be mostly 70, especially because Donner is shooting this back to back. But mm-hmm. the Lester stuff probably got picked up more in like 79. I would think so. You're like right at the cusp. Yeah, I was. I'm just surprised how close I am to that time period. Anyway, let's move forward. So uh, this next one is kind of a major difference because, I mean, it is just a line of dialogue, but it is an iconic line. So Superman returns to the Metropolis, and in the Donner version, he's outside the window, says, ever heard of freedom of the press? Whereas in Lester's version, it's general. Would you care to step outside? And I'm kind of like, Dude, I get that Donner. You wanted to reuse you, the you know the dialogue that you shot, or maybe you preferred, but the general line is just too iconic. Yeah. Oh, uh, this might be a lesser point again. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying again. to not agree with you every time, but 
<laughs> I don't know. We're just we're just syncing up again. Our well, it's hard to argue up. for the freedom of the press line over the general. Would you care to step outside again? I think right. it's just. I think it was more of like, hey, this is the Donner cut. We should give them a different experience. So like, we did this alternate line. Let's put the alternate line because it's an alternate cut. But um, I have a feeling I might be wrong on this. Somebody in the comments correct me. But I have a feeling maybe Donner shot both of them. Um, but it, I mean, I'm I'm mixed on that too because this shot is also completely different <laughs> that we see here. It's not like a ADR dub. It's a completely different shot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a big setup change, like a camera mm -hmm. setup change and everything, just to switch a line of dialogue. You would just generally have the same camera setup and shoot a different line on a different take, mm -hmm. but the rest looks the same. But this looks a little bit different. So yeah, I think it's probably is two different directors, honestly, which is a lot to do just for. Well, maybe it was just they could combine camera setups or something and it wasn't that big of a deal whenever Lester yeah. was shooting, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either, but yeah, that's about, uh, I think five for Donner three for Lester. Yeah. Uh, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong in the comments. Uh, <laughs> next is on the map. Uh, -huh. uh, all right. Next is the fortress of solitude confrontation, which we can see here to make differences that there's more of a fight in the theatrical version that involves powers we have never seen from Kryptonians and never probably will again, which includes that Superman has a cellophane S that he can pull off his chest and throw, and it expands and <laughs> captures Non for like two seconds before it just like dissolves. So it's kind of <laughs> pointless. Uh, and then the Kryptonian criminals can like shoot power beams out of their fingers for a bit. Yeah, uh, the fingers. Yeah. It's weird. So, yeah, I mean, the Donner Cut doesn't have this. This is something that they added that I can see they were thinking, hey, let's add more action to this. But <laughs> I, I don't know what they were smoking that day. So, <laughs> just like, let's do this instead. I, for the record, I think it's dumb, but to play devil's advocate a little bit, they were just creating powers left and right every fucking issue in the old days, right? Right. This does like feel a little had, silver agey. Yeah, like they were just like p thinking of powers at random, like he, you know, like Grant Morrison always says, like the little Superman coming out of his fingers, mm -hmm. you know, really insane shit like that. So, I suppose there could be an argument made that this is just callbacks to Silver Age, maybe, but and Golden Age, maybe. I don't know, but like it's, uh, <laughs> I would not. <laughs> this whole like S Shield being thrown thing, it's right. Is it's dumb, dude. Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I would cut this, obviously. <laughs> like we'd stick to the Donner cut that doesn't have this. So yeah, this was uh, just I, at this point his power <laughs> set. His power set was pretty much figured out. We don't need mm. ex new powers yeah. in in seventy eight, seventy nine. Yeah. So yeah, this has it, and then in both versions, right? Like Superman tricks everybody into losing their powers. Then they throw the Kryptonian criminals down into the Fortress of Solitude, which people have brought up probably killed them. However, uh, neither cut has the scene that was shot in which the Kryptonian criminals and Lex Luthor are escorted and arrested after the big confrontation. I don't know why they didn't put this in the Donner cut. So uh, this was shot. This was actually shot and shot by Donner because Hackman's in this in this part. So I'm oh like, oh my god! I don't know why you wouldn't put that because it dramatically changes the ending. I mean, sure you can be like, 
well, Christopher Reeve would never kill anybody. So, like, obviously, this this happened off screen. But I'm like, eh, like, there is a point where, like, deleted scenes aren't necessarily canon. Like, there's an argument to be made that they just, they, you, you killed the Kryptonian criminals in both cuts. Especially because in the Donner cut, what they don't have in the theatrical cut is that, you know, he leaves Lex Luthor. Uh, and then Clark uses his heat vision to destroy the Fortress of Solitude, which makes it feel like he killed the Phantom Zone villains even more if they weren't already dead, and left Lex Luthor for dead inside. That was in if the you Donner don't have the scene. Yeah, in the Donner cut, he destroys the fortress. Oh my god, I forgot about that part. All right, yeah. So I'm like, uh, like if without the scene, it basically just looks like he just straight up murders Lex Luthor at the end. Oh my god. Leaving him in the fortress again, like you just you need this scene. This is less of like Donner versus Lester now, and more of just like I don't know why this wasn't edited back in. I'm sure it's in a fan edit somewhere, but so they get zero both the goose eggs. I, I guess so. I mean, so I guess Donner gets a point for not having the cellophane ass. Oh yeah, he gets that point. Yeah, he gets that for point, sure. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, the, the Fortress of Solitude, I don't think we really need it to get destroyed because of all that. Like, I get it in terms of, like, well, the consequence for you, um, you know, trying to give up all your powers is that you no longer get to talk to your dad. And, it, like, I get that. That's already a consequence. I don't know why you need to destroy the Fortress um, right. uh, in that. So that's not really there. There is a more emotional ending, I think, to the Donner cut with Superman and Lois where they kind of, already agree that uh, you know it's too dangerous for them to be together and she's crying when he drops her back off so again i'm leaning towards the donner cut as well but this we need the scene we need the scene with the 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 uh arrests along with lex luthor getting arrested because otherwise it just looks like superman just flat out collapses the fortress of solitude on top of him yeah um yeah they needed that i think this is like the, them falling into the Fortress of Solitude, like pit, is like it seems to be, and it's a little bit before my time, but it seems to be kind of a point of contention in the nerd community for a long, long time. Like this, this seems like mm-hmm. it was like a almost Martha level event that happened also in, in nerddom before before I was around. It seems like it blew up even more after the Zod snapping, you know, Zod getting his neck snapped. Man of Steel, because people were like, "Well, like you accepted it when Zod died in Superman two, and then there were arguments about like, well, he didn't die, or he did die, or, or whatever." Uh, with a lot of people arguing, like, "Well, in this deleted scene, they didn't die," but it's like, "Well, deleted scenes aren't canon." Like, he grabs Zod happens. by the neck too in this. I forgot oh, about yeah. that. And he's about before he throws him down. Yeah, yeah, like that's a little bit of a callback there. But you know, one thing that's cool about this, and I suppose it's in both cuts, but the uh like kind of mind gamey kind of thing they do and how superman tricks them oh yeah uh it's like we've only really seen that in recent years with what doctor strange and god i can't think of anybody else i mean i know third act thing third act like mind game kind of win and yeah i think um it was cool they they did that because superman's known as like the big and brawny you know, blue, mm-hmm. but uh, he outsmarted them. Yeah. He outsmarted everybody in the room, which is awesome. I thought that was cool. So uh, even despite its flaws, there's a, it's sort of got a lot of strengths, even in the third act. It, I've been thinking recently, I've been noticing more and more, so many movies lose it in the third act. They just mm-hmm. cannot 
Yeah. They cannot tie that shit together. Um, <laughs> and not that I could, I'm sure. just a jackass on the internet. You know, I'm just reviewing shit mm. that professionals have made, but uh, it just kind of feels like, yeah, the third act is very hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's good that both versions have this with Clark basically outsmarting yes. all of them. Lex and, yes. and Zod and company. So, uh, I do, I do like that aspect. I think that's the best aspect of it. It doesn't surprise me that it's it, it survives both cuts. Yes, so, that's great. It's really great. Uh, let's see. The biggest thing here is how Lois loses her memory. Now, <laughs> I'm kind of like this movie ripple, probably would have been rift and nerddom here. Yeah, because I'm kind of like yeah. <laughs> I think the best ending to this is neither. <laughs> I think the best ending of this is Lois Superman living with the fact that he's Superman. <laughs> Like, let the consequences last rather than try to undo them. But that's not what we got in either version. So uh, moving into it, uh, we have uh, the Donner Cut. So here's why the Donner Cut is what it is. The Superman going around the world type of ending was originally supposed to be for Superman 2 to undo all the damage that the Kryptonian criminals do, to undo Lois figuring out that Clark is Superman. And it was during rewrites of Superman 78 where they felt that there was just not enough climactic stuff going on in that movie that they put that in the first movie instead with the intent of figuring out what they were going to do in Superman 2 for a different Yeah, we'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Exactly. And then Donner gets booted off, and then Lester and company come up with the whole thing that we see in the theatrical cut where Clark gives her the infamous amnesia kiss where he kisses her and she forgets that he's Superman. Just another Uh, fucking power. Out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Which, there is some comic book precedent for, though not clearly amnesia, but as pointed out by our friends of Batman Online in Action Comics number 306, Clark does give Lois a powerful kiss that makes her dizzy, but does not directly say that it gives her amnesia. So it's close, but it's not exactly Kisses what it is. Kisses the shit out of her. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so, this was such a so... thing at the time. Like, you know, with Man of Steel... <laughs> she just kind of figures it out immediately. She knows, mm-hmm. and we're moving forward, you know? Yeah. And I think we should respect the past, but also move along with the future at the same time. And that's one of those points where I do kind of like going forward, and it's something I'd want to see in Superman Legacy as well. Mm-hmm. Just have Lois fucking know, you know? Just just get, yeah. get over it. I, I don't like her like not knowing forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's also why I'm like the best ending of this is just like live with the consequences. They both know that you're Superman. Maybe yeah. they, it ends with them broken up, but like, how heartbreaking is it if like they have to go back to work and they have to pretend, you know, that they're back to the standard Clark and Lois stuff when like they have this whole history together. They just can't tell anybody type of thing. Yeah. Like something like that really could have made a more emotional ending. For this, rather than like, I'm just gonna go around the world, or I'm going to kiss the shit out of you, and you're going to forget. <laughs> like, neither one. I'm like, Ugh. I don't know if I'm if I'm gonna go for one. Obviously, like the amnesia kiss is less repetitive compared to Superman just going around the world. But I don't know. I'm kind of just like, mm, I'm neither on this. If you could edit it in a way that does the ending I just described, where like it's the Donner cut, where they agree they can't be together, and then they kind of have to pretend that. Um, they're back to the usual co-worker banter shit. We're going to call this the old goose egg draw. Yeah. They both get a goose egg here. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm like, mm, 
I don't know. It's it's kind of neither for me. Again, with a slight edge to amnesia kiss, but if I were to do an edit, I would try to find some way to just not even not even do that. Just make Was, it end with her remembering. If Donner had something else shot, even even in like uh, screen tests or something, but he just straight mm-hmm. up reuses shit from Superman one, which uh, it's just. I know it's your cut, and you did both of them, but. Mm-hmm just completely reusing the same thing because he was on board with that in the first one right that wasn't yeah. a studio decision yeah because he shot that part yeah that i mean that's his so i don't know just do something else him rinse and repeating this exact same beat kind of ridiculous but i don't dude it's they're both goose eggs to me i don't <laughs> i the amnesia kiss is fucking stupid but the acting in that scene until she becomes well, the acting is good all the way through, and yeah. but just the story beat is stupid. But the acting is good. Yeah, like the is. way he go moves in and their conversation and all that. That was really good. I I was mm-hmm. kind of like surprised how good that was. Yeah. Again, my first time seeing it today. <laughs> it it is solid acting. Yeah, uh, for yeah. That stuff just just dealing with the fact that they might have to break up over this and and uh, the end of that relationship. Like it's it's well done in both both cuts. But yeah, like just. Don't undo this. Like, let them live with the consequences. Sure, it, it changes what is going to happen and how you see the next couple of movies, but whatever. Like, to me, that's the ultimate way to, to, to deal with this. So, mm-hmm. goose egg draw, like you said. Yes, goose egg draw. Uh, and then the ending scene. Now, in both versions, Clark does go back to the diner to teach, uh, you know, the bully a lesson, the trucker dude who beat him up when he had no powers. And the theatrical cut, you know, the trucker knows that he beat Clark up last time. Whereas in the Donner cut, he's gone around the world, so the trucker doesn't know Clark any more than anyone else. But, I mean, he's still an asshole and stuff, yeah. so Clark still goes there to teach him a lesson. Um, but in the Donner cut, this is the last scene <laughs> of the movie uh, before yeah, yeah. Superman's flying by. Whereas in the Lester version, there's an additional scene afterwards where Superman shows up at the White House and you know says, sorry, I've been away so long, I won't let you down again, and then takes off. Um, and I'm like, well, between the two, it's just a more Superman-ish ending with this with this White House sequence with the president. I hate giving points to Lester. <laughs> this is a, another, a reluctant point, but I, I, you're you're right. I forgot that this is the last this is the last scene in the Donner one. I couldn't believe it in the Donner cut because I thought like for sure he shows up at the White House in the Donner cut too, right? Nope, no. He just he 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 basically sends the guy sliding across the bar. Hitting into the pinball machine, and then it cuts to dun to da dun to dun as he's flying off to the earth, and I'm just like, this doesn't feel like the right note to end on, dude. Like, oh my god, it's a nice part, but I don't know. And maybe part of that was just, it could have been a case where the Lester scene just was one that was written, but Donner never got to shoot, and then Lester shot it, and Donner, for whatever reason, decided, uh, we don't need that. I think I don't know how he is personally, uh, but it just a director's. I mean, he he might be like other directors where it's like, well, I didn't shoot it, not my fucking movie. You know, he just doesn't want, he doesn't want any of those fucking shots in his goddamn movie, you know, even though they yeah. might be better. <laughs> There's a lot of pride going on here, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, like some stuff that Lester shot still makes it into the Donner cut, but I think it's like, because eh, it had to be. Like, that's the only existing footage oh, available yeah. for this one bit that's essential to the story. Whereas, like, this. Like, the stuff with the president is arguably, like, mm, the story still makes sense. 
you know, without the the scene with the president. It just feels like a weird note to end on in the Donner version, where it's just like, I beat up the bully. The Donner, the Donner version goes to beat up a dude that doesn't even know who he is. <laughs> yeah. That, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Although, you know, what's interesting seeing this, you know, after Man of Steel, and I saw the Donner cut after Man of Steel 2 mm-hmm. for the first time, uh, him paying for the damages. It's like Superman yeah. realizing he does damage things. <laughs> it's just like, maybe a Snyder should have taken a note from this scene in particular. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, he knew, I, you know, we all love that. Like, he went in knowing he's going to mm-hmm. damage some shit, so he got yeah. some cash ready. Yeah. Which was, which was, which was, which was great, you know? Yeah. Really great. Um, but yeah, the point goes to Lester. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. In which case, like, that's, we know how we would combine both cuts. It would essentially be most of the Donner cut, but with the Lara scenes when Clark loses his powers, with, you know, Clark and Lois having sex after he loses his powers, uh, with the general, would you care to step outside stuff, uh, and with this last scene with the president. Uh, and then yeah. we would fuck around with some of the editing to have it so that Lois still knows that Clark is Superman at the end. So that's kind of right. our overall... Uh, assessment of it. So I think it's because of this stuff that people wish for a hybrid cut more so than the Donner one over Lester. Though, like, there's still a lot of stuff that we obviously prefer in the Donner cut over the Lester one. But like we see, like, it's it's not completely, it's like, it's not a clear cut, like, overall I will only watch this version of the movie from now on type of thing because there's still some stuff in the, the Lester one that we prefer. I think I would Ultimately, still go go for the Donner one, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, if I had the choice again, I would I would choose Donner. But I, it was interesting. I thought it was going to be a fucking absolute landslide mm-hmm. for Donner, but it's interesting that it wasn't. So yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So uh, yeah, in the comments section, let us know if there are these hybrid cuts out there, how we can see them, because uh, I'm sure a bunch of fans have done some of the exact same changes <laughs> that we've talked about in terms it must of trying exist. to combine it. Yeah, I love some of the shots so too. Just talking about the movie in general, Superman two. I love yeah. I love the shots. Uh, there's a lot of great shots of Superman in the fortress in this one. There's some mm-hmm. dude. There's something about crystals, and I'm not like a crystal dude. I'm not in a new age shit at all. But mm-hmm. like that crystal imagery with Superman, like this mostly white background, but then red and blue of Superman or something. I really love mm-hmm. that, and. Um, like there's this old Marvel comic called Crystar, and I I'd love for this to be made. It would be best if it was made practically, but mm-hmm. if even if it was made with CG or an, animated somehow, it'd be great too. It's just like crystal warriors and shit. It's like it's kind of like Thor with crystals or whatever. But anyway, yeah. yeah, I love that imagery and I love and again going back to Superman too. The the um the beat with the president. I, I love that. I, it was one of my favorite parts. I know it's it's simple, but when he's when he just says, "If it'll save lives, I will bow to you," and mm-hmm. I just think that's such a. It's I don't know. Like we all understand it. It's a move what a good good president would do, what a good man would do. But I just mm-hmm. love seeing that beat, and it's in both of them. But yeah. uh, it's just like you you don't want to bow to this fucking dipshit. But you know, you if to. it'll save lives, you have to, right? So I really appreciated. It shows his character for for a guy who doesn't even have a name, (laughs) for a guy who has maybe like less than five minutes of screen time, but like you get who that man is Mm -hmm, just based mm -hmm, off of that. mm -hmm, And that's mm -hmm. 
it's it's that type of writing that uh, really makes these classic. Like the, the Superman one and two, really part of uh, classic cinema, is that type of characterization if, that quick. Like you know exactly who everybody is. Exactly. If Superman one is a ten out of ten, what's this one to you? Mm. The better Maybe of like the a two. High seven. Like a high seven. High seven. Because I'm like I, I I get some people feel like Superman two is better than Superman one, but I'm just like mm, no like no like no that's I don't not I don't true. agree with that at all. It's objectively yeah, like, worse. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> it has more action for sure because he has somebody yeah. to fight. But yeah, and yeah, that's to true. be fair, it is also a little bit more of a personal story because of the whole Lois Lane love story is given higher stakes because he's you know wants to give up his powers. But there's something about it that just doesn't feel as iconic. Like it doesn't it doesn't quite reach the same level of of like I'm watching history being made here uh, in the 1978 one that I just don't get uh, in this one. And maybe also some of it is just because of uh, just there's a certain amount of cheese in the 78 one that you are just like, yeah, but give me more of that because this is like good American cheese <laughs> type of feeling. And this one is kind of just more of like, OK, this is just cheesy. Right. There's something grander about the first one. There's something more like we've made a piece of Americana here where yeah. the second one is good, but it's still Americana, but it's just nowhere near the same level. Um, mm-hmm. The first one feels so like, and Spielberg was just getting started, but it has a Spielberg feel to it, uh, yeah. to me. Uh, and the second one, a little bit less so, um, both versions, mm-hmm. but uh yeah, I'd give it maybe a low seven. Mm. Uh, still seven, but yeah, like a seven yeah. minus whatever that yeah, is, whatever that same. is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it doesn't uh, doesn't really match the seventy eight one. I, I I always tried to like watch it from that lens of being like, well, some people think it's you know better than seventy eight, and I'm watching it. I'm like, mm, I just I've never felt that way. I've, if I've always, I was a like, kid, I've enjoyed it, but mm. if I but, was a kid, that was like you know, if I was. Let's say I was like seven watching the first one and then what, eight or nine watching the second one or, you know, nine or 10, whatever it is. Right. I probably would have liked the second one more. Yeah. Cause it's more action and shit. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 I can totally see that, but yeah. I didn't see. So the first time I saw Superman 78, I must've been, oh yeah, I was 12. I think I was 12 okay. or 13 around the time because it was around the same time as the first X-Men and I remember listening to it was it was Kevin and Bean show and Ralph Garman was still doing the you know the Hollywood uh, type of thing on it and mm-hmm. he mentioned just like well X-Men is fine but to me the greatest superhero film of all time is, is Superman the movie with Christopher Reeve and I'm just like how have I not seen this considering how much I'm a fan of these movies so I, I rented it from Blockbuster saw the theatrical cut uh, and stuff and and you know I was just like well I don't know if it's the greatest, but it certainly lives up to the hype that I've seen. Like again, I'm seeing cinematic history in the making, like the prestige yeah. of it. But yeah, I was, I was, I think I was already too old to have preferred Superman two by the time that I ended up seeing Superman yeah. two. Yeah, I saw so, it way way late as well. Both yeah, of well, two two I just saw three years two today. ago. Well, yeah. the, the the theatrical today. Theatrical, yeah. Don mm-hmm. Donner two three years ago. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, that is our coverage of uh, Superman 2. We will be covering more of it in the Patreon, a deeper dive, some of the uh, other differences, the smaller differences on that. I might look into some of the questions that you asked today about um, 
you know, the DGA stuff uh, or whether or not they actually shot in Paris. So I'll do some uh, research before we go into that Patreon. But uh, yeah, until then, that is superhero stuff you should know. Big thanks to Dan for gathering the visuals for the YouTube experience, especially oh, all of We're in bold now. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> bold, bold font. Sorry, go ahead. I cut you off. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. It is easier to read. I'll tell you that. Yes. That's good. Uh, we've Dan's promoted himself with the bold font here. <laughs> yeah, no. I've, I deserve a promotion. Well deserved. I'm in, well deserved. I'm in bold now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, these uh, screen cap comparisons are uh, you know a lot of work. So thank you, Dan, for this. Uh, yes. I gathered we gathered most of the comments from the Danny Elfman episode we did because we got a lot of insightful comments on that one. So uh, KJ McNeil, who's uh, uh, has commented twice on this. Uh, and I know KJ's into music based off of your Instagram account. Uh, you follow us there. But uh, KJ adds, as far as John Peters dancing around the room during the main theme, and Danny <laughs> Elfman mentions this during the Shadows of the Bat documentary of Batman 1989. Thank you for that. I knew I heard that from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, KJ also mentions also a mix that was more to his specifications as well as pieces that weren't included in the original release was released in 2008, I believe. Uh, I have that album. From La La Land Records, the two-disc album of the uh, the Batman score, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I haven't listened to them side by side to be able to tell one versus the other in terms of the sound mix, but maybe I just don't have the ear for that. But mm-hmm. uh, thank you, KJ, for that. Well, you need the, you need good speakers too sometimes too. if if it's really like a nuanced thing. Uh, it's I mean, or good, really good, like kind of high-end headphones. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't sell yourself short there, uh, Benatavius. Well, maybe we'll just figure it out when we see it in concert. All yes, yes, up yes. <laughs> over at wherever yes. we're going to be playing here. Exactly. Uh, but thank you, KJ. Thank you, yes. Uh, Pete Booth adds that there's similar elements to the Batman theme in 1941's Wolfman. Uh, yeah, that's true, too. That's been pointed out. Um, I forgot about this aspect. Uh, but yeah, there's a moment in the Wolfman... I saw it for the first time, like last Halloween, uh, and there's a moment where Lone Chaney's character is like outside and looking around, and, and they kind of play uh, something that sounds like the Batman theme. So, uh, thank you. Pete, that would make sense. I guess I guess Dracula would make more sense. I've actually never Even seen more, Wolfman. Yeah. I need to see it. I've seen Creature from the Black Lagoon, and I've seen Dracula. Mm-hmm. I have not seen Wolfman yet. I need to see it. Yeah. Uh, and then Ottavio Vanzelotti. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. Uh, this is a very insightful comment. This is something I did not know. Uh, so there's a silent film called Die Nibelungen, uh, the Nibelungs. I'm, I'm butchering the pronunciation. It's German. Die, die might Fritz. be D, I think. Just D? D. Okay. I, I could be wrong about that, but I'm, I, I'm pretty sure it's D. Yeah. The Nibelungs? Anyway, it's from director Fritz Lang. Nibelungen. Nibelungen, maybe. I'm guessing, too, here, guys. So if you're German, let us know. But maybe D. Nibelungen. Like, I've seen Lang's stuff, but not this one. Okay. uh, The Dr. Mabuse stuff uh, and Metropolis. But, yeah, the movie was released in 1924, exactly 25 years before the journey to the center of the Earth and the main inspiration for Elfman's Batman theme. I bet that if you close your eyes while listening to these, you'll be imagining yourselves in Burton's Gotham. And uh, Ottavio basically attached a couple YouTube links to the score, which, yes, does sound like early versions of the Batman theme as well. So can we start calling Gottfried Huppert as the great-grandfather of the Batman theme? I would agree with that. <laughs> That's going to be a deep cut Yeah, right there. Ma- ma- Yeah. Uh, 
So uh, thanks, guys. Great content as always. P.S. I'm a Brazilian Batman fan on a three-year journey and counting, creating a Batman Forever fan edit from top to bottom. Uh, I'm putting a daily hard work on it. I really want to share with Batman hardcore fans when I finish it. Your deep dives on Burtonverse and Schumacherverse really helped me gather information. I hope I can share a teaser trailer with you one day. See ya. That'd be awesome. Wow. So we got the Brazil cut coming. And if you want to tackle uh, Superman 2, Donner cut, and Lester cut in a hybrid cut, you have a you have a whole episode to help guide you on that one. So yeah. thank you, Otavio. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you, everybody. Over to the shout-outs. All right, everybody. Thanks again. We want to thank some of our uh, – thank everybody here on the board, of course. But we mm-hmm. want to thank uh, – let's start off with a slight rebellion off Madison, uh, Meteor P, Christian R, Michael W, Bruce K, and Tita, and other supporters as well. Thank you guys so much, and uh, thanks, everybody, for just watching us and listening as well, of course. And, uh, yeah, we've told you about our friends here, and we'd like you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about us. listening to the Geekscape Network.